0: In everyone to a wonderful new episode of Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. We have a really fantastic show to share with you today. It's, it's in developments, it's in workshops, and now it's coming to New York with that. And we are so excited to be sharing it with you. And joining us to tell us about this is the director, Kimmy Ramirez. She's part of the show, The Little Pony, which is playing March 7th through the 23rd thursdays through saturdays at torn page you can get your tickets and more information by visiting tornpage.org this show is very timely and it's got a wonderful story to go with it and i think that it's time to bring on our guest to tell us more about that so with that kimmy welcome to whisper in the wings from stage whisper hello i'm so glad that we're doing this together yeah, I'm so glad you're here, and I can't wait to dive into the show. When I got the press release, I mean, the synopsis, they didn't give much to go on, but what they did give was immediately a hook. So why don't we start by having you tell us a little bit about what The Little Pony is about?
1: Well, it is a two-hander between two parents who are named Daniel and Irene, and the conflict surrounds their offstage child, a child that we never actually or hear from in the play who is a character that was based on the real life Grayson and Bryce and Michael Morones. These are kids in North Carolina in 2014 that were relentlessly bullied for their love for the My Little Pony series. And Grayson Bryce, in particular, was a young boy who was forbidden to carry his My Little Pony backpack to school. And the school said it incited bullying. And Michael Morones later also took attempted suicide to uh, to deal with the bullying that he was experiencing, really vicious you know, treatment from, from school chums, or school, your colleagues in the school, and the school itself. So... The character in the play is called Timmy, that we never see or hear, but he's somewhat present through a a an incredible projection design that we'll have. But the parents are just trying to grapple with that situation and and deal with, you know, take it into their own hands. They each have a different opinion on how the situation should be navigated and so the parents wind up being at odds with each other and odds with their child and and then the school is at odds with all of these vectors so it's a great lesson for all of us and a kind of rehearsal for life we're all on one side of this equation whether we've been parents or children or or school administrators or teachers we've all had these experiences and we are just trying to maybe investigate how how this meltdown goes for these people in the dramatization of this conflict so that we don't in life have to repeat these same adversarial
0: conflicts what an incredible story honestly what a heartbreaking story Mm i i i literally in my mind had the phrase you know oh kids can be so cruel but we always stop at the end of that phrase and we never keep going and to hear Mm -hmm. the results of that in the show i mean it's it's so heartbreaking and i think for a lot of people it really is Mm -hmm. relatable too so i love that you're involved with this work i'd like to know how did you come upon this piece
1: well it was the english translation was done by my former professor the late marion peter holt who passed away in 2021, and Marion was 95 when he passed away. (laughs) And so this was his final translation, and he was very, very passionate about this project. And he did the translation for Cervantes Theatre in London, and so it had a successful production there. And the play has been performed and translated in other languages all around the world, but to this day, that's really the only production of Marion's translation was the one in, in London in, in 2018. So as an homage to Marion, I picked up the script and I arranged for excerpts to be performed from this. His last translation at his memorial that I organized with Frank Henschger in the Siegel Theater, the Siegel Theater Center in the Graduate Center, CUNY. And we just did, we, the intention was just to do some excerpts from this final translation to celebrate Marion's life work. And it just kind of took on a, a bigger life beyond the memorial. It was incredible. I, I passed two really amazing actors and it it just really resonated with people who attended the memorial. So we've kept revisiting and we're slowly developing the work.
0: That is wonderful. What a great legacy to be continuing on with this. It's fabulous. Now, at the time of this recording, we are just under two weeks away from the show premiering at Torn Page. I would love to know, what has it been like developing the piece?
1: Well, we've been working on it for about a year almost. We did the memorial for Marion, I guess, a little less than a year. We We did the memorial last May. And then after that, we did a full reading of the entire play at the Prelude Festival, which was founded by Frank Hinchger, the d- director of the Siegel Theater Center at the Grad Center CUNY. And that also was received so incredibly well. And and the just the talk backs and the, the audience conversations and what people are carrying away from it. I've also been teaching this play Mary and just as a uh, way to process my own guilt. It's kind of like a morning practice for me with with him and it's been one of the easiest places to teach with students that I've ever taught. It, it teaches itself <laughs> and the students just want to talk about it and take it apart and write about it and debate about it. So in development we have these very rich conversations as well about just trying to understand where the parents are coming from, where the the school might be coming from, what's in the child's head. The other day at rehearsal, I took the actor who's playing Irene, Marissa, and I had Marissa do a an improvisation exercise with the actor, Monty, who's playing Daniel, in which Marissa was the offstage child when Marissa became Timmy, just so we can feel him a little bit more. And we've done some creative things like that in... Our rehearsal process is trying to get in the heads of all of these offstage entities to build a deeper understanding of them. Also, a rehearsal the other day happened on the heels of the announcement of the death of next Benedict, who was the 16-year-old teenager who was killed, uh, beaten relentlessly, and later died from a head injury in, in the bathroom of their high school. And that on that day of rehearsal, we were blocking a scene that involved bathroom violence in in Timmy's world and the world of the little pony. So it was oh, so deeply resonant with us. So we were dedicating our rehearsal to to the memory of, of Next Benedict and, and we're just really hoping to prevent future tragedies like, like that one by spreading the messages that this play aims to. You know, reach globally with with just messages of tolerance. Oh my
0: gosh, I love that. It
1: seems like, you know, when we when we were younger, it just seemed like there was it was getting better and that, that we were just heading toward a place of tolerance. And of course, we've taken amazing strides in many ways. But you know, just it's it's a mistake to get so comfortable thinking we're we're progressing and that just everything is gonna be this kind of teleological project progress where we're just you know, we're not going to have these problems anymore because it's it's elliptical and especially given our current political times, uh, you know, people feel that it, bullying is, is kind of becoming uh, normalized um, through the media from from kind of, kind of top down systems that seem to normalize name calling or, or disparaging remarks and you know something that seems like as harmless as as just a one kid making fun of another kid for the animated tv series that they like to watch i mean it can erupt into a tragedy of such magnitude right and so it's important for us to arrest these intolerances in childhood you know when when kids are just playing with each other and and everything just seems harmless if if we can arrest these things there these these seemingly you know minor conflicts they can quickly you know accelerate into into a sort of conflicts that take a, a child's life you know or suffocate people's identities or self expression so you know hopefully our production of the play like so many others of of this play of Paco Becerra's amazing a play here you know hopefully ours can reach some Some souls in audiences that need to hear that message.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I want to (laughs) snowball off of that. I mean, we've we've been talking a lot about some really important things. You know, we've brought in next Benedict's passing. We've brought in, let me rephrase that we brought in next Benedict's murder. Mm -hmm. We've brought in, you know, stopping the problem early so it doesn't develop further a lot of these great ideas mm-hmm. is there a specific message or thought you hope audiences will take away from the little pony
1: oh i really i really think it's that one just like a, a building tolerance and and accepting uh, you know not not just accepting the like accepting each other rather than the those kind of social norms that we're all born into um you know, just being able to to play, to not only play with the toys or watch the the television programming or consume the books and characters that you genuinely have a passion for without worrying about you know coloring within the lines of of the social norm that's been prescribed to you according to you know kind of a a, a random gender assignment at, at, at birth for example like you know, genitals don't equal gender, right? And so we are all something is scrawled on our birth certificates, and then, and then, you know, people, especially now with all of the the gender reveal parties, even you know, before a, a human is on the planet, they, you know, a, a lot of colors and styles and, and and content is decided for us, and and people don't feel like they can. Um, they can be who they are sometimes. They don't even allow themselves in the in the interior of their own mind to entertain what their passions might be because they're so afraid of, of being judged, of being made fun of, of being bullied, right? And so if we can just transcend that. Like a lot of stores now are having gender-neutral toy aisles and, and clothing departments. I mean, this is such amazing progress it's a a breakthrough to think about that we can create um and and be and express ourselves any any way that we genuinely feel that impulse and it's a it's a harmless creative function that is fundamental to human existence and i i really think that we that message of just having being free to, to express ourselves and And then on the flip side of that, tolerating someone who is expressing themselves. It doesn't take anything away from another individual to just be
0: tolerant, open, accepting, loving, harmless. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Yes. I think there's a lot of people, especially our listeners out there who absolutely believe that. I mean, if it doesn't hurt you or anyone else, who cares? You know, just... Mm-hmm. Literally, live and let live. It, it's not your problem. It's also, it's not yours to do anything with. Mm-hmm. So I love that that's that's the message coming from this show. My final question for this first part is, who do you hope have access to this workshop happening at one page? Well,
1: it is open to the public. It is a really small, incredibly unique space that seats 22 So anyone who buys a ticket in advance is able to be part of that very elite audience in this historical space. And I hope that it is a mix of a good cross-section of our communities. Students, I'm going to tell my students about it. I frequently have students, I have all kinds of students with theatrical backgrounds who've, you know, performed professionally. And then I have some students who have never been to the theater at all. And and for many of my students, it's the first experience with the plays in my classroom. So I hope a lot of students, whether are mine or, or someone else's, students of all ages, we had a, a very young student, like a grade school age student at the at the reading at the Prelude, who was a wonderful audience member for us. And, you know, students who are high school or college students and we're all students of life and we're all learning and certainly this this plays a cool of itself so i'm really hoping that everyone <laughs> um but not not just our typical theater goers but first time theater goers and it just it, and it, a good cross section of the community and it's donation based so even if you know no matter what your financial situation is A lot of people feel excluded from theatrical entertainment because they can afford it or they think they can afford it. So this is entirely donation-based. So we are really opening the door for the community to come hear this important message.
0: Second part of our show, we love letting our listeners have the opportunity to get to know our guests a little bit better, pick your brain, if you will. And I want to start by asking you what or who inspires you. What playwrights, <laughs> composers, or shows have inspired you in the past, or are just some of your favorites? Mm, good
1: question. I'm going to have to go right there to Maria Irene Fornes, Irene mean, Fornes, who is. so popular I think a lot of people would have Irene as the answer for who inspires them I come from a Cuban American family I grew up in Miami and when I was doing my MFA in playwriting in the in the 90s I found I I, I was I did like a major part we all had to kind of grab on to a dramatist that that we felt resonated with our own style and develop work through that lens and exp- and become a master of their work so I did deep dive into Irene's work and then when I moved to New York which I mean was part of the reason I wanted to move to New York I, I met Irene and just things that Irene said to me are burned in my brain forever and into my process um, and she was a true teatrista. We have this word in Spanish that we need in English, something like it. I mean, in English, we say, like, theater person. But in Spanish, we have teatrista, which could mean anyone who's just, like, you know, a theater person. It's like a catch-all term for any theater artist. And she directed her own work. She would do, you know, costumes at the thrift store. She would do, just like, a catch-all of so many identities, theatrical identities. And she's just so incredibly inspire, inspiring. Nilo Cruz, Dolores Prida, Luis Santero who's still writing amazing stuff. Carmen Rivera, who is a New Yorkian playwright, who has the longest off-Broadway show running. El Repertorio Español since the 90s. The same show has been running in rep. These are just some of the voices that inspire me, but those are an amazing set of people. That is a
0: fantastic list. I absolutely love that. Have you had the chance to see any great theater lately that you might be able oh, to yeah. recommend to our listeners? Oh, what a great question.
1: Yes. So I'm actually a reviewer for Talkin' Broadway, and I am also a adjudicator of the Off-Broadway League season on the Lucia Lortel Awards Committee. So I'm at the theater almost every night. <laughs> Sometimes I do double headers, a matinee and an evening show just to get it all done. So, I've had the pleasure of reviewing lately both shows that are at MCC, and they were both raves on Talk and Broadway. Um, so for the sake of brevity, uh, listeners can totally go to my Talk and Broadway reviews for The White Chip and The Connector. It Oh, I can't recommend those two shows highly enough at MCC. Also, really intriguing is The Apiary at the Tony Kaiser Second Stage Theater, which this week it was announced that, that that Second Stage is letting go of that space. So this will be one of the last chances the audiences have to see a play in that space, which which once upon a time was a bank. The, the box office is a vault. And the, the Apiary by Kate Douglas, directed by Kate Orsky, I highly recommend it as well. Very unique theater experiences. So those are the top three that leap to mind, The Connector
0: and The White Chip at MCC, and the apiary second stage. Wonderful wonderful suggestions. In fact, both shows at MCC the connector and the white chip are our crea- are two of our creators picks. We just saw the white oh! and it. it was so so good. Kind of again snowballing off of that, I want to know what's your favorite part about working in the theater. You
1: know, lifting up underrepresented voices Having these kind of internal, international conversations like the one we're having now that speak to both very, very specific, particular human experiences that are so idiosyncratic among a certain, you know, culture group of people or just individual identities, or but also how these universal finding the universality in it by putting individual experiences under a microscope. Like this play, what's so cool about this, one of the many things that's so cool about The Little Pony that we're doing at Twin Page right now, is that it was, the, the playwright is from Madrid and he heard about these kids in North Carolina in 2014 and was inspired to write a play about them in Spanish. And here it comes back to us. And my professor who translated is a South Carolina originally who was in New York for most of his life. And so just finding that we're all the same through these experiences that are highly particularized and lifting up these underrepresented voices to build things like tolerance
0: and understanding, like we mentioned. That is a fantastic answer. I love that. Well, now we have arrived at my favorite question to ask guests, (laughs) and I can't wait to hear yours. And of course, that is, what is your favorite theater memory?
1: I hate it. Dear memory. Oh, I've been doing theater all of my life. I'm 51. I think I first walked onto a stage when I was four. So this is a big archive to pull from. You know what? The the, the word memory. I'm going to play off that in a way that you might not be expecting. But so I have had the pleasure in the past few years to to rehearse and perform and develop work in so many historic houses, right? Which just have memory built right in the walls like we're rehearsing this play our next rehearsal is at the players club that i'm a member of the the house that was founded by edwin booth and so we're we're very active theatrical club to this day and so we're we're rehearsing at the players and we're performing in a historic house because torn page is the former home of geraldine page and uh, rip torn and their son Tony Torn uh, lives there all of his life, and he is the founder and operator of the Torn Page space. So the, the players, Torn Page are, are two historic houses that I'm currently dealing with. I have performed work at the Morris Jumel Mansion in up in Inwood with People's Theater Project Mina Laura and Carlos Serrano and the Lower East Side a Tenement Museum. I've done work there with American Play and Performing with that kind of layered history in that historic house. And recently, over the summer, I developed my own new play at the Van Apple Tree House in Jersey City, where the Museum of Jersey City History is. And just, it's such a, there was just something about performing and developing work in a historic house that is really just become my thing out oh, in the Hudson Opera, Opera House of State. I've done work there. And it, there's just there's just something beautiful about that experience. And one of the houses I mentioned developing work in the Morris Jumel in Inwood, also I think that Lin Mama Miranda wrote part of Hamilton in there just kind of to be inspired by the space. I can really relate to that. There's something that you just draw from the spirits in a house, the history of a house, just the, the thing, the people, the bodies, the ideas, the conversations that for you before you even come into that space, and how you just add to the discourse of what's happening in these houses. Um, so the, uh, the the memories of those of working in those specific houses, but also the memory that you're contributing and the you know,
0: kind of discursive memory of those experiences. I love, love that. That is so (laughs) wonderful. Thank you for sharing that. As we wrap things up, I would love to know, do you have any uh, upcoming projects or productions coming down the pipeline that we might be able to plug for you?
1: Mm. Well, the the Siegel Theater Center uh, that I've mentioned, who has really been the catalyst and the great supporter of this project, in particular, its director, Frank Henschker, there's always something going on at the Siegel. There's a tremendous archive as well, the Siegel Talks archive on HowlRound. Frank Henschker, it it kind of single-handedly kept theater alive during the pandemic and continues to live stream so many of its events. But also coming up at the Siegel, let's see, uh, the Swiss director Milo Rao is discussing his work on Alexei Navalny, you know, the political prisoner, the Russian political prisoner who, you know, just passed uh, also a murder. So the, there's a couple of events coming up with Milo Rao, who is it, it just such a great renowned director and not very timely. Frank is so amazing at just he has his finger on the pulse and he can create an event that speaks to the moment. And so don't miss that. Also upcoming, there is an event uh, parliament. It's the newest iteration of a, it's like a a, a experimental investigation of social action through, through choreography with Michael Klein. And it's a collaboration with the social practice CUNY program. I think those are the next things coming up at the Seagull and for things torn page tony also always has tony torn also has oh, things coming up all the time you can check both of those websites the seagull theater Center.org or torn
0: fantastic some wonderful plugs there and a great lead into my final question which is if our listeners would like more information about the little pony yeah. or about you maybe they'd like to reach out to you how can they do so
1: Oh, please do. I'm I'm very receptive to all kinds of correspondence. The easiest way, I guess, this day and age to reach me would be my social media handle is Dr. Kimi Rami, Dr. D-R-K-I-M-I-R-A-M-I, across all platforms. And of course, tornpage.org for tickets to the Little Pony. There's an Eventbrite link as well. So it's posted also on my social media if somebody wanted to go through there to find the Eventbrite link, but tornpage.org will also take you to that Eventbrite reservation
0: link. Fantastic. Well, Kimmy, thank you so, so much for taking the time to speak with me today and for sharing this incredible show. I really appreciate it. I really appreciate your time. So thank you so much.
1: Thank you, Andrew. I appreciate your ebullience and enthusiasm and everything you're doing with this marvelous podcast.
0: Thank you for that. My guest today has been the director, Kimmy Ramirez, whose upcoming production, The Little Pony, is holding a workshop March 7th through the 23rd, Thursdays through Saturdays at Torn Page. You can get your tickets and more information by visiting tornpage.org. We also have some contact information for our guests, which we'll be posting on our social media posts as well as the episode description. But truly, truly, I encourage you to head down to Lower Manhattan, head down to Torn Page and witness this incredible, important, timely work, The Little Pony, happening March 7th through the 23rd on Thursdays through Saturdays. If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review, like, and subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Stage Whisper Pod. And feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at StageWhisperPod at gmail.com. And be sure to check out our website for all things Stage Whisper and theater. You'll be able to find merchandise, tours, tickets, and more. Simply visit StageWhisperPod.com. Our theme song is Maniac.